Hello, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of the History Comics Podcast, this time into the life of Alvin Carl Hollingsworth. One of the joys of researching comic book history is finding new subjects to explore. One in particular is Alvin Carl Hollingsworth, whom I first discovered when researching the life of Joe Kubert, please see his previous episodes, and became instantly curious about his life and career in comic books, especially since he was a black man working in an extremely racist time in America. As luck would have it, he would lead me to also reading The Invisible Men by Ken Quattro, which has featured numerous great biographies of black Golden Age artists, including Hollingsworth. So you can thank Hollingsworth for this series on black comic book creators, and thus, without further ado, here is his own episode. Alvin Carl Hollingsworth's family was born for, was from Barbados, a small island chain part, that was part of the British West Indies, who immigrated to, and they immigrated to the United States on July 3rd, 1917. His grandmother was Mrs. Gordon Hayes, who, whose husband she be, was believed to be dead. The family was welcomed in the, into the close-knit West Indian community in Harlem, New York. Hollingsworth's father, Charles Haynes, met and married Cynthia Jones, whose family was also from Barbados, on February 17, 1923. Their son, Roy, was born the following year, and then Alvin Carl Hollingsworth was born on February 25, 1928. It was Hollingsworth now, as Charles Haynes would change their last name, presumably to distance himself from his absent father. Charles Hollingsworth worked as a porter and shipping clerk at a dress factory, instilling a hard work ethic into his children. It was during this time that Cynthia Hollingsworth either died or left the family, leaving Charles's mother and sister to help raise his boys, Alvin and Roy. By age of four, Alvin Hollingsworth already showed a talent for drawing. By 12, Alvin Carl Hollingsworth was working at Hollyoak Publications, where he met future comic book legend Joe Kubert around 1941, and the two soon became fast friends. It was Kubert who suggested Hollingsworth apply to the School of Musical and Art in uh, New York City, where he also attended, and Hollingsworth also credited his teacher, Mr. Johnson, for helping him pursue art all the while he grew into a husky six-foot man who boxed and lifted weights for much of his life. Hollingsworth later worked for Charles M. Quinlan, a veteran comic book artist and art director at Hollywood Publishing Company. By 14, he had his own feature, working 3.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. after school. Hollingsworth's father insisted he continue his schooling despite having a steady job now. Since giving uh, credits to artists were uncommon at the time, it is hard to determine what Alvin Hollingsworth's first work was. One of the first that can be confirmed is the four-page story, Robot Plane, in Contact Comics No. 5, on March of 1945, Aviation Press, which he both penciled and inked. Another of his first viral works was, Cry- it was in Crime Does Not Pay, number 31, in January of 1944, with the story Million Dollar Bank Robbery, where he signed under the name Holly. His, wor- his work also appeared in Great Comics in 1945 under Novak Publishing with the feature Captain Power, which he signed A.H. Hollingsworth were also freelance for Bernard Bailey Studios, where Elmer Stoner, another black Golden Age artist, also worked. Working on comics like Navy Heroes No. 1 in 1945, with a story about Captain S.G. Fuqua, who won the Medal of Honor at Pearl Harbor aboard the USS Arizona, where he directed firefighting and rescue efforts during the attack, saving many of his fellow crewmen. He also worked on the Blue Beetle with the story Little Liberty Bell in issue number 42 on July of August 1946, where he signed Alec Hope and was credited as both the writer and artist. The story was about a disfigured World War II veteran who dons a bronze mask to fight crime, calling himself the Bronze Man. It should be noted at the time that bronze was also a term used to describe black people. 
Hollingsworth also worked on Minute Mystery, Inspector Rock's Felony Files for Victor Fox in 1947, which he did with Joe Kubert, who penciled while Hollingsworth inked, and, they, and they, he would sign A.C. Holly and doing the story The Bloodless Corpse and Blue Beetle number 50 on November 1947, and Death and the Dagger in issue number 51 in December 1947 as well, with Kubert. He also found work on pulps like Planet Stories, and through Leonard B. Cole's comic shop, he did Contact Comics and Captain Arrow, along with doing a tech story in Future World Number 1 in the summer of 1946, and Wonders of the Sea Life, story for, a story for Catholic Comics, Volume 1, Number 12, on June of 1947. During all this time, Hollingsworth graduated from the School of Music and Art in June of 1946, thus he was able to devote more time to working. Next, Hollingsworth went to the Jerry Iger studio as a freelancer, working on Suicide Smith for Wing Comics, number 105 on May of 1941 to number 111 in the spring of 1950, about a heroic flyboy fighting the Axis powers during World War II. He also did Jukebox Comics for Eastern Color Publishing about famous things of the day. With issue number one, Hollingsworth did a story on Duke Ellington on March of 1948, and with issue number two in May of 1948, he did a story on Lena Horne. And with both, he took a large effort to be, make them more realistic in their depictions. This would be the beginning of his using his art to advance black history and causes. He also did Dark Mysteries, Fight Against Crime, Beware, and Eerie, the last he did for Avon Periodicals, which is considered the first horror comic ever published. In addition, he is credited as an artist on Negro Romance No. 2 in August of 1950 from Fawcett Publishing. He would work there from 1951 to 1953. Next, Hollingsworth did Scorchy Smith comic strip in 1953, which was described as a Steve Canyon in space. Created by John Terry on March 17, 1930, it was an adventure strip starring a freelance pilot. It reached 110 million readers and 140 paper, newspapers, but when Hollingsworth asked for a raise, he was denied and reportedly even told that he was the only Negro on the front page of so many papers. Hollingsworth quit in response, with the legendary artist George Tuska taking over in 1954, and it would last till 1959. Scorchy Smith eventually ended on Ju- December 30th of 1961. Hollingsworth later attended the Art Students League of 19- in 1951 before enrolling in Caffey College of New York, CCNY, in the fall of 1952. He would later work on the spirit strip with penciler Jerry Grenadine as an inker from August 5, 1951 to June 1, 1952. Hollingsworth did try out as Marlene Keene's assistant, George said, along with uh, submitting several strips like Bob Mentor, Dorothy Tudor, and Candy which was about a black daughter of a race car owner, Bill Mackey, for the black newspapers. Candy was distributed by Smith Man Syndicate and lasted until October 22, 1955, which also ended his comic book career as Hollandworth was moving on into teaching and fine arts. Hollandworth graduated from the CCNY in 1954 with a Bachelor's in Fine Arts as, a Phi, as Phi Beta Kappa and earned the Alumni Award the following year, moving towards a teaching and painting career. However, he would have a few more sojourns in the comic books. Notably, he did a risque tryout for Bruce Joy Friedman, editor of Magazine Management, which was owned by Martin Goodman, the founder of Timely Atlas Marvel Comics, which showed up in Bachelor No. 1 on January 1957, called Notes of a Gay Man. This was a sweat mag or men's magazine known for drawings of scantily clad women. It continued until 1958. 
Next, he did Men's Daring Adventures in 1955 for Leonard B. Cole and later made art editor of the men's publication Relax. In December of 1957, Hollingsworth did illustrations for High. He also worked with Al Sargent on Think, a Mad Magazine imitator, in May of 1958 under the name Holly and Sarge, though the publication only lasted till 1959 due to poor quality. Hollingsworth's final comic book work was in Cartoon Spice, a men's cartoon magazine, for the Charlton Publications. It only had a run of five issues from spring of 1957 to, to the spring of 1958. With his comic book career finished, Hollingsworth moved in, fully into teaching and fine arts, having received now his master's from the CCNY. In 1959, he would uh, teach at Hoffman Junior High School in the Bronx and during the 1960s taught at the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan, teaching alongside fellow artists Charles Ferguson and Charles Allen. He also started to have a few gallery showings, earning his artistic acclaim outside of the black community. On October 13, 1960, Hollingsworth did the cover of The Reporter and later joined fellow black artists like Romare Burden and William Majors in The Spiral Group, which focused on pushing black art and identity produced in the Cry City series. This was inspired in 1963 in the wake of the March on Washington during the Civil Rights Movement. In the June of 1964 issue of American Artist, with the article Teaching Art to the Gifted in New York High School, it was during this time that Hollingsworth taught the commercial and fine art at the Harlem's Parents Committee Freedom School. In 1970, he wrote and hosted the Tim Part Your Part of Art series and later produced the children's book I'd Like the Guggenheim for Guggenheim Museum. He later illustrated Black Out Loud, an anthology of modern poems by black Americans. On October 4, 1970, he did the one man show on Cahill Brillin at the Studio Museum in Harlem based on his book The Prophet and later obtained his PhD. In addition, on 1971, he did a painting of, the, of an African Jesus Christ, further using his art to push social causes, as he would tell Ebony Magazine that he always thought that Christ was a black man while calling Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X modern-day prophets like Jesus. Hollingsworth would soon become an authority on the emerging use of fluorescent paint, which he used in both representational and abstract art. With his career as a fine art painter established, Hollingsworth took up a teaching art as a professor at Hostess uh, Community College at the City University of New York, continuing until 1998 when he retired. Alvin Carl Hollingsworth died on July 14th of 2000 at the age of 72, survived by his wife Marjorie and their children Kim, Raymond, Stephen, Kevin, Monique, Denise, and Jeanette. Of course, he also left behind a career in comic books and fine arts that has hardly rivaled. While one can only imagine how far he could have gone if he had stayed in comic books, the fact that he was a peer to the legendary Joe Kubert is a credit to Hollingsworth alone, along with his accomplished fine arts and teaching career. He was truly a one-of-a-kind artist. I would like to thank the chief source for this episode, Invisible Men, the trailblazing black artist of comic books by Ken Quattro, which features a great biography of Alvin Hollingsworth along with many other great black artists. A must-read for any comic book fan. changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. 
We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes you, will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right, you've got the Zoom Pro account and we're going to use it. So be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com and on all the socials at NerdBlissPod. NerdBliss, listen up. And now is May 13th, 2021. Time for the favorite comic book of the week. The Comic Book History of Animation, number five, by Fred Van Linty and Ryan Dunleavy, which uh, concludes this fantastic history of animation as uh, they covered the chronicle the rise of Studio Ghibli and Pixar, along with, the, along with all the current animation greats of today. Fred Van Linty once again finds a brilliant way of uh, telling the story of animation to a great cartoonish format, along with showing in some fun, uh, neat little tidbits. For instance, it's actually it's fun to be reminded how both Studio Ghibli and Pixar actually influenced each other. While Ryan Dunleavy's cartoonish art is perfection, he always finds the perfect character to represent every animation great. And like all their other history uh, series, uh, this is a this is a must read. Just a great read in general, in general, and history at its best, both informative and uh, entertaining. So yeah, definitely pick up the comic history of animation number five and all their comic histories. Uh, they're fantastic from beginning to end. And with that, we conclude another biography in the history of a great uh, black artist of the golden age of comic books. Join me again next week for another one. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself a good comic book. <laughs>